0: It's time for JT the Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see
1: an interception. I want to see some sacks. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth washer, And he's sacked!
0: To Sean Bauer had him around the waist. And the Raiders' defense holds on fourth down. And then your boy JT got it right. right. JT the Brick.
2: Always, always great to be with the brick.
0: I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's big boy radio.
3: That is the best atmosphere in a preseason game that I've ever been a part of. And that's
1: easy to say that clearly.
0: Get your ass out here and get ready. Here we go. And now,
1: here's JT the brick.
0: Out of the gate, JT with you. Thanks for joining us on the flagship of the Raiders, Saints Week for those who are road tripping to New Orleans. Hope to hear from you as we are underway, brought to you by Golden Entertainment, as I'd like you to check out the Stratosphere and the 64 PT locations, taverns here in the Valley here, PT's fuels the monologue, we appreciate PT's, every day, and you'll often catch me at the SG Bar at the top of 215, and Flamingo, great place to watch college football, NFL football. And get after it there. So, busy show lined up today. Levi Edwards from inside the Raiders building, their digital reporter. Steve Weish at the bottom of the hour from NFL Network. Man, is he good. And he's been around. He knows the Raiders as good as anybody nationally. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate on the moving odds and how it's changed for the Raiders and what's happening in the NBA with LeBron and the World Series odds ahead of the World Series with Bryce Harper, who's from Vegas, which is kicking off on Friday. Busy show lined up today. Hope to hear from you because Raider fans, we heard from you last week and got a win. I heard from a ton of fans on the postgame show after the game. And we like to hear from some fans here, especially local fans, as we're giving away a $50 Grimaldi's gift card uh, today for someone who has a pulse and has something to say. I don't give away anything to the sixth caller. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just don't want my radio show to become to the 13th caller. We're giving you something for free. Like to hear you call. Like to see your tweets. Like you to sound off like you got a pair. That's been the moniker of my life. Fight for a prize. Fight for a phone call. And try to get in here and add to the program because we greatly appreciate it when you do. Just over at the Raider facility today hosting Raiders Roundtable with Q Myers and Lincoln Kennedy. And they're great over there because they gave me a bunch of stats. I mean, a lot of stats to look at what's happened and what's upcoming and all that. And I really appreciate that type of knowledge. I want to hear what the other people are saying around the building. And as we look at the Saints, the Saints are going to be a really tough team to preview. I'm telling you that right now in advance. It might be the toughest team that I've had to preview this season. Because they're at a conference. They got a bunch of injuries. They haven't played well, and we don't know. We haven't seen the real Saints team. And kind of like what's going on in the Raiders. A lot of people are calling me. I'm going on other radio shows. They don't know anything about the Raiders. They don't know the depth. They don't know the personnel. They don't know much about it, and the Raiders got off to a slow start, so a lot of people weren't watching the Raiders when they were losing and all of a sudden want to know what's going on with them now. Very similar teams when it comes to the Saints and the Raiders. Both have underachieved this year. For most of the year because of their records and both teams have really good players that can explode and change the game instantly Alvin Kamara Cam Jordan the honey badger Tyron Matthew Alave they have good players over there man and they haven't awoken yet they're kind of like slumbering around and we're facing a former Raiders head coach in Dennis Allen who's a really good defensive coordinator not a great head coach the record shows that but look Josh McDaniels got a lot of heat when he was in Denver before he got let go about not being a great head coach Dennis Allen's kind of dealing with the same thing I know that Dennis Allen is a brilliant defensive mind I know that Josh uh, uh, excuse me I know that the head coach Josh McDaniels is a genius offensively so you got a great defensive coach great offensive coach but they're trying to become better head coaches and they're in markets where there's a lot of pressure on them and I think both these coaches have been dealing with the pressure. And I know Dennis Allen. I interviewed him for a year on the Coaches show. He's a good man. When he came to the Raiders, maybe he was a head coach ahead of his time because he just didn't handle, I think, the building the way he could have at the time. He got fired after the London trip where the Raiders went 0-4 and and quickly made a decision to get rid of him for Coach Sperano. May he rest in peace. Tony Sperano took over before he passed away years later, and he was a good guy. And the Raiders were going through a tough time with personnel and what they wanted to become and all of that. I think Josh McDaniels has his vision for what he wants to be. And I know Dennis Allen wants this defense to be great, but the offense is struggling. And we don't know if we're going to see the red rifle, Andy Dalton, whose numbers are pretty close to Derek Carr. You know, Derek Carr is a lot better than Andy Dalton on paper, but Dalton is, is sneaky. Dalton puts up numbers and stays in this league. And he's been around a while and has played in bigger games than Derek Carr. I repeat, he has played in bigger games than Derek Carr in his career. And I think Derek is now having such a good time with this team when they run it that he's ready to have a breakout game and an explosive game. Now, a couple of stats as we open up the show that I think will help us all this week. The Saints are dead last in the NFL, ranked dead last in turnover differential. They're at minus 10. The Raiders are at minus one. So we've seen what the Raiders have done this year. The Raiders have three interceptions, one fumble takeaway for a total of four. And the differential is minus one. So for the Raiders, with only four turnovers takeaways, that's a concern for me. That number needs to be higher. I mean, the Patriots have 13. The Eagles have 14. The Cowboys have 12. The Ravens have 14. And the Raiders are at four. But the Raiders have had some explosive plays. When it comes to turnovers, the scoop and score, remember that when it happened. And then Duron Harmon putting the game away with the pick six. So we can't always complain about the Raiders not picking the ball off and not making plays because this year they've had a couple of high profile plays that work out for the Raiders. I think their strength could be that they're not giving the ball away. The Raider giveaways are at five this year, four interceptions for Derek Carr and one fumble only. That's a good number there. So the differential between takeaways and giveaways is minus one. New Orleans is a mess at minus 10. They have six takeaways, but check this out, everybody. The Saints this year have turned over the ball 16 times, 16 times this year, nine interceptions and seven fumbles lost. Whoa, that's a, that's not a trend. That's a real stat. So I think if the Raiders this week can gang tackle and the Raiders can strip the ball, strip sacks, jump routes, I mean, the Raiders have a really good advantage here on how they're protecting the football compared to New Orleans. And I think that's going to come into play in this game. I really do. That's what happens in New Orleans. It's loud. It's intense. Crazy things happen in that dome. Special teams. One of the greatest plays in the history of that franchise is a special teams block punt. I mean, things happen in that building. It's weird. Some people think it's haunted. There's ghosts there. New Orleans fans dress up like Raider fans in costumes. This is going to be a damn hostile environment. It is going to be a very hostile environment for the Raiders as the Raiders get set to go out there. And as you know, as the Raiders go there and they're not coming back, the next four out of five games are on the road. And they're all winnable games. But imagine if four out of the five were at home instead of on the road and they were all winnable games. Raiders' schedule is really unique here when it comes to what they want to accomplish. They'll go to New Orleans. After New Orleans, they'll fly to Sarasota, Florida. They'll stay there for the week in preparation. And then they'll go to Jacksonville. Q Myers made a really good point on the Roundtable podcast today that Jacksonville will be in London. When the Raiders are already in Florida waiting for Jacksonville to come home from London. And don't forget, New Orleans is on a mini bye week. They played last Thursday. So they've been off for a while. I just read a column on Saints Wire. And they're going after a bunch of players on that team. The Honey Badger. Camara. Uh, This team's season is on the brink. And they expect a big turnout against the Raiders here. They think the Raider game is a winnable game. And they'll have a chance to get it done. Now, looking at New Orleans' stats defensively, they're giving up 28.6 points a game. And the Raiders now have been scoring in the 30s. And the Raiders are putting up points. Remember, 29 against Kansas City. And what they did against Denver, and then this recent win, just at home, where they were able to explode in the fourth quarter with 21 unanswered uh, to put up 38. So New Orleans has given up 28, and the Raiders are now comfortably looking like they're ready to live in the 30s. The Raiders got their number down. They're giving up 25 points a game. The Raiders on defense are giving up 104 yards rushing. But who cares about that? You want to tackle Kamara, but the Saints are giving up 123. Josh Jacobs has been over 140 recently. The advantage goes to the silver and black. But the real cool stat for the Saints that helps them is they're only giving up 217 yards a game in the passing game. That is a low number. Raiders are giving up 262, so we're looking at a 50-yard disparity in the passing game. So the Raiders, as I told you last week, what was the key stat for Houston? Houston only gave up 19.8 points a game. They were one of five teams in the entire league that gave up less than 100 points a game. They were at 99. And the Raiders put up a big number, right? They put up 38. So that skews the numbers again. New Orleans does a pretty good job in the passing defense because of Cam Jordan, the defensive front, and what they have on the back end with the Honey Badger and their cornerbacks that have been banged up a bit. So is this going to be a running game or a throwing game? Well, everything you read and everybody you talk to, Vinny your cover story today, Raiders turn to power offense, Jacobs and the line play make a difference. So I'm a passing guy. I think the strength of this team is in the air. In the air. That's the strength of this team. But I am wrong. I'm wrong. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. I get a lot of things wrong. But when it comes to this one, the Raiders are now running the ball. And why would you get in the way of that momentum? Why in God's name would anybody get in the way of what's working? Whatever works, works in life. I don't care what you do. If you're a bartender, you're a landscaper, whatever you do in life, whatever's working, stick with it. Keep it simple, and I think the Raiders need to continue to do this. Josh Jacobs is healthy. You can't guarantee he's going to be healthy. You get nicked up as a running back. You hit the hole, your elbow hits the ground, your knee. You could get a groin. The guy's healthy. He's fresh coming off a bye week in a magical game, a Marcus Allen-type performance. Oh, and I mean that. I mean, Marcus Allen, where Marcus Allen was sitting with the owner and in the tunnel downstairs talking to Josh Jacobs. There's some mojo going on here. Josh and Marcus Allen are connected the way Bolitnikoff and Rentrow are. I like that. I like that type of party. So Josh is running the ball well. It's indoors on a fast track. Get him the ball. And if you get him the ball early, it works play action to Devontae. You know, Devontae ran a couple of turnaround routes in that last game. Where, follow me here, don't close your eyes if you're driving, but, but kind of get a feel for what I'm talking about. He lines up on the left side, and he runs an eight-yard sprint and stops and turn, turns around. He's, he's got the safety over the top. The safety over the top's waiting for him. So Devontae stops on a dime, turns The cornerback's giving him three or four yards because they don't want him behind him. Devontae's catching it, putting his foot in the ground, and getting upfield again. I like that. Derek is telling the defense even if you double team Devontae over the top, he'll go underneath with Devontae. And Devontae's so athletic, big, and strong, he can fight for the first down. Renfro can't do that. Renfro's a guy who goes underneath is a guy you got to hit quickly, and then every once in a while, if there's a jailhouse blitz, rentrow will get behind the coverage and you can hit him. I like the play of Mac Hollins because I like 50-50 ball. Sometimes Derek throws it out of bounds too early. I like when Mack Hollins is running. Maybe Derek can get him the ball and he can go get it because he's really tall. And where's Darren Waller? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Anybody? I was in the building today. I have no report on the off day. I don't know the status of Waller. If Darren Waller. If Darren's injured, there will be no mention of him. If he's close to coming back, we'll wait for the coaches and trainers to make that decision. But last year, this franchise needed to run the table down the stretch. And Darren was able to come back and help because he was a distraction, a double team. And it really opened up the game for Renfro. Remember, Renfro down the stretch in Indianapolis. Renfro down the stretch in the the Charger game. Renfro was big because Waller was double-teamed. There was no Devontae here. We didn't have Devontae Adams here. They were doubling Darren Waller in the passing game. Need Waller back because when he comes back, they might not double him. They might not. Darren's going to have to prove that he's healthy and fresh, and he's got to have a game where he catches 11 or 12 balls for everybody to say, hey, we're going to go. We're gonna have to double-team this guy. They're double-teaming Devontae, and Devontae's still getting balls. We need Waller back to, uh, to provide the other double-team. We need 11 of the defenders, because there's four up front, and maybe with a blitz five. When you come down to that, and there's five or six other defenders – If four of them have to guard Waller and Devontae, the Raiders are going to have the opportunity to explode with Josh's running game off the play action. I think the Raiders are going to have to throw it in this game because Dennis Allen is the head coach, and Dennis Allen has stopped some of the greatest running backs in his entire tenure. He'll do what Belichick does. They'll come in with the game plan and say, Look, Jacobs is a freak. We're going to to load up the box. Cam Jordan, the rest of this star-studded defensive line, pinch in. We're going to try to get to Josh Jacobs and hit him behind the line of scrimmage. We want the linebackers to cheat. Not by a lot. Just move up a yard or two. Let's fill the box and let someone else beat us. Well, that's great. Someone else is Devontae. You want someone else to beat you? It's going to be Devontae Adams or Darren Waller if his availability is here. So I think that Dennis Allen is going to try to shut down this running party. That's my prediction. He's going to go down saying, my job's on the line. I'm not Sean Payton. I'm not winning. Fans want a new coach eventually. Uh, This is Captain Obvious stuff here, everybody. Captain Obvious stuff. Let's take Josh Jacobs out of the game. And let's stop the run and let Derek Carr beat us. Derek Carr in 2016, right? The, The go for two and the win. Big moments in the history of New Orleans. I think Derek's going to have to have a day. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear this, but I handicapped over the last two weeks and I looked ahead to all the quarterbacks that Derek Carr gets to compete against. It is prob- probably Andy Dalton, Trevor Lawrence, Sam Ellinger. Who? I mean, there are uh, Russell Wilson who's hurt and just a train wreck as we speak, Geno Smith. I don't care how good Geno's playing. He ain't Derek Carr. Carr's got a five to six game stretch against quarterbacks that he is significantly better than. He's been better than them for his career, and he has to prove it and jump in and have some big games. I'm talking big games. I'm talking Carr's got to live throwing 320 to 340 a couple of touchdowns if they're going to try to take Josh Jacobs out of the game. That's my early assessment of the game plan. I want to know what you think. 702-365-9200. 702 is our area code in Vegas. 365-9200. We're on 920 AM. Make it real simple. 9200. And give me some analysis of what you think has to happen here against the Saints and how they could get off to a good start. The concern for me before we get to the defensive coordinator, we're going to play about five minutes of him coming up here before we have Steve Weishon, is the slow start. Everybody wants to celebrate this victory against Houston. They were trailing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were. They were trailing to the fourth quarter to the Houston Texans. And that, that can't happen anymore. That can't. They went up 20 nothing to Arizona, 17 nothing to Kansas City. These teams that are here coming up the next two out of three games, I'm talking about a halftime lead by a touchdown. I'm talking about a double-digit lead so Max can go hunt. That's what we need to hang uh, find out here. And then the other big thing where my phone is blowing up is everybody wants to talk about the trade that the Raiders made today, which is significant. Jonathan Hankins has, has given a lot to the Raiders. He really has. And I think for to move on from him, he's a good player, and he's been good to the Raiders. And Tom Pellicero reported earlier today the Cowboys are sending – a 2023 six-round pick to the Las Vegas Raiders for Jonathan Hankins. Ian Rappaport, the Raiders are trading Hankins to the Cowboys in exchange for draft compensation. Some key defensive depth up front. Well, I, I read this from Ian Rappaport, and I almost read through it. It's kind of like, well, the Cowboys got depth. Well, what about the Raiders? Do, do the Raiders have depth there? They, yeah, the Raiders do have depth. That's one of the things about the Raiders at that position. They drafted young uh, defensive linemen that they think can help out. Deshaun Reed reported an hour ago. Bilal Nichols and Andrew Billings have started every game this season with Kendall Vickers working in the third defensive tackle rotation. Farrell has already started to get a few snaps, but he should see a lot more and a lot more looks that he's been solidified as the fourth defensive tackle. I thought the Raiders had a lot of depth at running back wide receiver and defensive tackle, not linebacker, not cornerback, not safety, not the offensive line. So Jonathan Hankins, we wish him well. I hope we get a call or two today from a Raider fan saying thanks to big John Hankins for being a Raider. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And could this be the beginning with what we're looking with, with the trade deadline of Dave Ziegler, just doing a couple of light things. Get a fifth round pick get a sixth, have a couple of six that you could trade up to a three in the upcoming draft. I think that's what Dave's doing. I've told you, you've heard him here on the show, Dave Ziegler is really sharp. I think he's looking to make moves and decisions for next year while trying to stay competitive this year. But here's the message as we get out to the phones. Stay competitive this year. Stay competitive this year and win games and get back into this hunt as you're looking to next year. And that's really the job of a good GM, and I think we have a good one here. Triple eight. Oh, excuse me. That's my nighttime number. I don't even have to throw out the number. Chris in West Oakland calls both shows. Start us off, Chris. What's happening today?
1: Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, real quick about the trade deadline. Look, I know Ziegler and those guys had a way of doing things in New England. It was a more conservative approach. I believe when you have Tom Brady as your safety net, you can be more conservative because he covers up a lot of mistakes you might make. I'm ready for the Raiders to make a big splash. What's the one thing we've talked about for years this team's lack, JG, A big-time linebacker, a playmaker. Well, Rokon Smith has made it no bones about it. He wants out of Chicago. Year in and year out, I've watched the Raiders pass on guys like Joe Hayden when he was at the top of his game, Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James. They could have gotten many all pros. They just refused to pull the trigger. I'd like to see this team make a big splash, go out and get a guy like Rokon Smith, sign him to an extension, and now you've got an anchor in the middle of the field that we haven't had a linebacker like that since, hell, you probably got to go back to Ted Hendricks. And I want to say we haven't had a linebacker that we drafted that's been a pro bowler since Phil Villapiano 50 years ago. So, again, that's just something I wouldn't mind seeing. As far as the game plan this weekend, I'm right on with you. I'm all about Josh Jacobs, but I believe it's in reverse. I believe he's been running so well. Go back to the Kansas City game. Those two huge plays to Devontae Adams early, is what spread the field and opened up. And I give McDaniels credit. They're not trying that multiple tight end and linebacker just run the ball between the tackles. They're getting wide. They're doing some misdirections. They're actually showing some creativity in the run game, which is one of the reasons why I think it's really taken off. So I want to see this team come out Go play action and go up top a couple of times just to show them you're going to do it. That opens up the run game, because I believe in the NFL in 2022, I've said over and over, if your goal is to go in and run the football, you need to have a defense to control the game. This team does it. And as we said again, we're going to go about the defensive game plan. I don't want to hear any more about the defensive coordinator from people. We changed it every year. We've got to get some playmakers. I want to know why Deron Harmon's not in the starting lineup and on the field every single play. Trayvon Merrick, again, I'm going to pick on him and Jonathan Abram. Normally you see guys flash brilliance. Well, name me in 25 games, JT, one play Trayvon Merrick has made that you remember, just one. The one I remember is he dropped the game last year when he had a pick six that would have sealed the deal against Washington, hit him right between the numbers. Deron Harmon has proven he knows how to play the football and catch it when it's come to him, yet the Raiders still want to fool around with Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Merrick. Nothing's going to change on defense until we put the best players out there, and I'm sorry, we're never going to cover the middle of the field as long as Merrick and Abram are our safeties. That being said, I'll, I'll get to the prediction later. I, I think they're looking good going into the game this week, and uh, i got to get back into practice, but thanks for letting me rant. My,
0: yeah, thanks, later. Chris. You know, I give Q Myers credit again, too, as we got our stats today for the Raiders Roundtable podcast that's going to be uploaded here in a minute. I couldn't believe the snap count. Daron Harmon at strong safety played all 65 defensive sl- uh, snaps, 100%. Now, check this out. Jonathan Abram at strong safety played 54 snaps, 83%. And I pay attention at the game. And Merrick played 49% of the snaps, which were, excuse me, 49 snaps, which were 75%. Ladies and gentlemen, the Raiders went with a three safety look. They played Abram a lot, 83% of the snaps. Harmon, 100% of them, and Merrick played 75%. I, I was not aware of that until I got my notes today. So I was going to say, hey, come on, like Chris, you know, he shouldn't come off the field. He didn't come off the field. It was an incredible performance when you see it. Not only did he end the game with the pick six, but Harmon played 100% of the defensive snaps of the 65. So he's good. I, you don't take him off the field now. He's too hot. You don't take him off the field. Stoner dude. Good. Oh, the Bobby, hold that music up. I'm getting the stoner dude. He came to the torch. I want to get up the stoner dude. Go ahead. What's happening, buddy?
3: Hey, you know, real quick on Jonathan Hankins, man. We, I loved him. He played hard. But I've been criticizing the defensive tackle position for years, JT, saying we hmm. haven't had a star for so long. Maybe letting him go is a sign of better times to come. And, hope, and just like Chris from West Oakland said, Maybe we can go out and get ourselves a defensive start even by this uh, trade deadline. Uh, since I saw you last, JT, I've been to Kansas City. You've got to go out there. If you're a Raider fan, and go see some real hardcore uh, local pride and uh, home field advantage. But uh, obviously, this last game was huge, JT. Josh Jacobs, I've been praising since day one. He's probably one of the most talented running backs we've had since Marcus Allen. And Bo Jackson, I really mean that sincerely. He's got talent. And, uh, you know, when it comes to New Orleans, you know, this isn't a Sean Payton, Drew Brees, New Orleans, but they're going to fight hard, man. They want to win just as bad as we do. we got to score 30 points, so the passing game is very important. We threw that big, long bomb in you know, Kansas City. We know we can do it to, to score touchdowns, but we got to keep that up. Keep up
0: up momentum, JT. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Stoner Dude. Good to hear from you. Let's welcome our new partner, the Verde Law Group, Orlando and Alex. My guys here, they treat their clients like family because of the legacy of their legendary dad. It's all about family. As their dad emigrated here from Cuba and they built this law firm that connects with the Latino community, if you get into a car accident and if you need legal services, it's the DeCastaverde Law Group, 702 222 9999. Tell them JT sent you.
2: Over the middle. Intercepted Harmon at the
1: 30. 40. Racing far side 50. 30. Harmon at the 20. Five. Touchdown Raiders. Deron Harmon stepped in front of the pass down the middle of the field. And he takes it back 70 yards for a Raiders defensive touchdown.
0: Nice to have those daggers from time to time. JT back with you. It's always a pleasure to welcome in our friend Steve Weish. He's NFL Network's chief national reporter, and you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Weish89. Steve, let's jump in. Good to talk to you again. I want to talk about the trade deadline. Are you a believer of that? We saw Jonathan Hankins go to Dallas, Christian McCaffrey go to San Francisco. I think some of these new GMs, the younger GMs, want to do some deals. How do you see it?
4: Yeah, look, if you're and JT, always great to be with you. I mean, look, you already saw you know, the Jets make a trade to go in and get, you know, Robinson from the Jaguars after Brees Hall got hurt. There's going to be some deals. These deals are more, you know, usually to plug holes, usually guys with short-term, you know, contracts. Like you see Hankins going to Dallas. Um, I don't think you're going to see any major moves. But, you know, you see maybe some teams that aren't doing well. Maybe Carolina stays in a trade market. Maybe Denver gets involved. There will be some trades. I mean, You you saw the NFL move the trade deadline up earlier in the season a couple years ago. That's going to help teams get these these newly acquired players more involved for the stretch run. So there will be some deals. I don't think necessarily any earth-shattering movement, but there will be deals, whereas before you might have only seen one or two. Um, In previous years, there will probably be more, I I would guess, at least a half-dozen.
0: Steve, last night Bill Belichick pulled starter Mac Jones after three series. They put in Bailey Zappi, and he's finally getting some real heat. I'm a huge Belichick guy. Everybody should be go down to the greatest coach, arguably of all time. But with Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas, and as they really didn't uh, replace him, and a two quarterback set in what feels to be almost a must win game, the Patriots are playing for a wild card at best with Buffalo running away with it. Was that bizarre to see that quarterback switch for you last night? Well, it wasn't bizarre
4: not knowing if Mac Jones was hurt, right? If not knowing that ankle had not fully healed. And this is where Belichick is playing the guessing game. Well, this and that, hypothetical, this and that. Look, if Mac Jones was healthy and you pulled him, then you need to go ahead and stick with Bailey Zappi. But Bailey Zappi had played fairly well in the three games that he had to play for an injured Mac Jones, and he still went back to Mac Jones which makes me think, you think Mac Jones is the better player and gives your team the best chance to win. And then when you put him in, you pull him out. So I'm guessing it's, it's still somewhat injury-related, but if not, you all of a sudden have put your team in an odd situation. And remember, Bill Belichick didn't have to do this for 18 years when he had Tom Brady there. He didn't do it last year because Mac Jones was a starter from day one. Now he's just got an overall conundrum. Going back to the off season, J T, when you bring in Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to call your offense. Still so maybe what? yeah. Maybe these two quarterbacks haven't been coached up fully yeah. either. I mean we gotta look at that part as well.
0: Steve Watts joins us from NFL Network. So, other than Kansas City, out where I am here and you in the AFC West, the Chargers should feel fortunate they got four wins. I mean, this has been such a roller coaster ride. And once again, the injuries are there. If the Raiders beat the Cardinals and don't blow a 20 point lead, they're three and three. And Raider fans yep. are marching into Bourbon Street thinking they have this thing all figured out. And then. We look at the play at Denver, and you've been doing this a long time, and I don't, I don't remember anything like this, what we're seeing in Denver, with a future Hall of Famer struggling so much, a quarterback, and a coach that hasn't found his footing yet, handicapped the rest of the AFC West outside of Kansas City.
4: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The last time we saw, you know, something like this Russell Wilson stuff, a coach maybe, you know, looking like he's in over his head, is when Brett Favre got traded to the Jets and Eric Mangini, right? When hmm. Brett Favre still looked like a capable quarterback. You know, I, mean, I think he had an injured biceps at the same time. This is weird. I mean, they, they, you've got this very good defense in Denver. They're not meeting expectations. Russell Wilson doesn't look good. You know, the coach has to go and hire someone to help him with game management. It just looks like a litany of disaster. Maybe they can get it together. I'm not ready to bail on Russell Wilson because he's still at a prime – Age. He's done so many great things in his career, but things aren't working well around him. And with the Chargers, I mean, how confounding are they? They've got this great quarterback, right? But they play Seattle last week. 31st against rush defense, and they run it 12 times. Total of 15, you know, but three of them were Justin Herbert scrambles. What's going on there? Got the injuries. It's just not right. JT, I think the Raiders have an opportunity to rip off. Five more wins in in, in a row. I mean, I look at their schedule. I look at the fact that Josh Jacobs are finally leaning on him, and he is doing it. The offensive line is playing well. Defense is playing better. I think the Raiders, when all is said and done, are going to be back in the playoff mix.
0: I saw you in Nashville on the sidelines when the Titans beat the Raiders, and now the Titans have won four in a row since we saw each other. And the Colts bench their quarterback and Matt Ryan, and again. It's a tough question to ask you because of your association with the league and the ownership, but Jim Hersey, I'm just wondering if he looked at Frank Wright and said, you know, I blow people up when we lose to Jacksonville in the past from Carson Wentz and others, and we don't have any more wiggle room. I want a, I want a decision made now at the future of the quarterback position because the Colts are fortunate to be 3-3-1 three, because three the Titans are 4-2 and two and haven't ran away with anything. What's going to happen there in the AFC South?
4: Well, I mean, it looks like ten- it's Tennessee's division to lose because the Colts, even with this change, I mean, they're going to a guy, Tim Ehrlinger, who we know nothing about, right? Who doesn't have any skins on the wall. Maybe because he's more mobile, they can get the run game going. But that, I mean, that was supposed to be going with Matt Ryan. He was supposed to be complimentary to the run game. So I, I think it's Tennessee. They-, they found their identity. They started to find it at the game I saw you at against the Raiders where they got Derrick Henry involved in the screen game and the run game. Now they're committing to the run, and it's working, and, and they're winning ball games. In terms of Indianapolis, you're right, Jim Ursay, you know, Frank Wright came out and said, yeah, we, we met with Jim Ursay before we made this decision. You know, Jim Ursay, remember he came out cracking, you know, a fellow owner the other day at the owner's yeah. meetings. Sounds like he's getting a little frisky and impatient with the overall existence of a lot of things and losing and not getting to the Super Bowl is one of them. So maybe he did put a moratorium on his head coach whose job clearly now is on the line depending on how they finish.
0: Wrapping it up with Steve Weiss, great reporter, a great host, does it all. A hybrid and a host for NFL Network over the decades here. Uh, let me wrap it up with the Giants in the NFC and the situation they're in. I would assume that Brian Dable, and this is just an assumption took over that job, and eventually wanted to get his own guy in. Just like GMs want to get their own quarterbacks in and head coaches. I, I, at some point, he had to look at that job, Steve, and said, there's no way I'm keeping Daniel Jones. I'll get in there, I'll try to fix the roster a bit, then I'll get my quarterback, and then I'll build the team the way I want to build it. Now Daniel Jones is playing well. What are you hearing behind the scenes with the Dayball-Jones relationship and the fact they didn't pick up his fifth-year option? Do you think he'll be there long term?
4: Well, it looks that way right now, I mean, because he's playing well, which goes to show you that Brian Dayball can coach quarterbacks, you know, and we saw we saw the evolution that he had with Josh Allen in Buffalo. So, yeah, he probably wasn't thinking that I'm going to turn this guy into, you know, a kingmaker. I'm going to try to survive with this guy. But the fact that they're playing well in all facets, I mean, the run game is working. Um, the defense is working. The passing game isn't great in part because who are the receivers? But everything is working in unison, and what, what that tells me is it's not so much a Brian Dayball is a great play designer, a steamer, but he's a great communicator and he's a great leader because everyone's bought in. And too many times, especially when we go into hiring all these supposed offensive gurus, they're not looking at the leadership and communication aspect of the head coach as we're seeing what's going on in Denver, how, how that's not working out. Right, but how we're seeing it, Brian Dayball, even though Atlanta has a losing record, Arthur Smith has a very undermanned team believing in itself. And and I think that's something that goes to show what a head coach really is, and Brian Dayball is a prime example of it.
0: What are you most excited about coming up here for this weekend? Because the way Brady lost to Carolina and Aaron Rodgers, and they got slammed by the Commanders, this Bills-Packers game looked great when the schedule came out and – I think this is a battlefield test for Green Bay. This is it. I mean, they could draw a line in the sand. They lose this one. They are not catching the Vikings. They're playing for a wild card. We haven't talked about that with the Packers in a long time, Steve.
4: Yeah, they're playing for a wild card at best. They have not played good football in a month. And there's the opportunity that they could get blown off the field against the Bills, which, you know, the Bills have made a habit of so far this season. But, look, Green Bay doesn't try to run the ball. Nobody's afraid of their receivers, so now they're asking Aaron, Aaron Rodgers to walk on water. That's not happening. The offensive line has just been reshuffled. I mean, this is a game where Greg Rousseau and Von Miller and those guys at front could really have a field day. If Buffalo comes out and gets like a 10-point lead early on, it is, it is really tough sledding for the Packers. And if they do lose this game, that has got to be four losses in a row. They were barely able to get by zap, Bailey Zappi in overtime uh, a month ago. So they're just not playing good football on either side of the ball, and that's when a lot of doubt and everything is going to start creeping in. If they lose this game, you're right; they they are potentially in trouble. And a wild card could be problematic for them with what we're seeing happening in the NFC East. And then you're probably going to get a wild card berth somewhere out of the NFC West. You have two teams from the East, one from the West. There might not be a wild card berth available for the Packers.
0: Yeah. That's the way I'm looking at it, Steve. Continued success. I'll catch up you in a few weeks or a month or so, and always appreciate your analysis and how you add to my radio shows. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you, JT. You got it, Steve Weish, NFL Network. One of the best, really. A guy who can host. He's a sideline reporter. He's a reporter. He's got one of the best jobs in all of all of the NFL. As he hosts a lot from the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, when they're inducting those classes. Rich Eisen is in charge of the Gold Coat Dinner. Chris Berman is doing the introductions. And I always thought that Steve Weiss, and I hope Chris Berman has that job forever. I don't want to overstep my bounds there. But Steve Weiss would be perfect to do the inductions because he, he just is great in Canton, Ohio. And always good to see him there. So, look, he thinks the Raiders, Jim Trotter, his colleague at NFL Network, tweeted out a week ago that he thinks the Raiders are going to win six in a row. I don't. I don't think anybody's going to win six in a row. I don't think Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr are going to win six in a row. Jim Trotter said that, and Steve Weiss just said five in a row. And they both work at NFL networks. so I think that is really interesting what those gentlemen had to say recently. Coming up next, Jeff Sherman will join us over at the Westgate. The moving odds. Anyone want to know why they didn't bet last night Chicago on the money line? How did you not bet the Bears to win straight up on the money line now that we look back? Because now we have to look back. Everybody's a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning quarterback. God, it would have been easy to look at the breakdown of the Patriots this offseason and this year and put some money on the Bears. You would have won monster money.
1: Matt Collins and Adams both to his right. Snap to car. pressure off the edge, Drops up in the pocket, fires down the middle. Hollins at the three, grabs it into the end zone! Touchdown, Raiders! Mac Hollins was sandwiched between a pair of defenders and still came down with it for the touchdown.
0: That was a nice play. Jason Horowitz, play-by-play voice of the Silver and Black. JT, back with you. Always a pleasure to welcome in Jeff Sherman as we take a look at the live odds over at the Westgate, the VP of Risk Management. And Jeff, I'll jump in with Thursday night. If this is the beginning of the downfall of Brady, Tampa Bay opened up a favorite. Now you have Baltimore minus one and a half on the road. How are you handicapping the Bucks and Brady going forward?
2: Yeah, it's tough. You know, they're, they're really a puzzle for us. And we opened Tampa minus two here on Sunday. And it's swung all the way, as you said, to Baltimore minus one and a half. So the public and the Sharps right now don't really want anything to do with Tampa. But conversely, we just put up our our week nine lines and the Rams are playing at Tampa next week. And we opened Tampa minus one, took sharp money. We're up to Tampa minus one and a half. So they're supporting them next week, but they're on Baltimore this week.
0: Uh, what does it say going forward looking at Denver? I mean, the complications of Denver when it comes to the Sharps and the public, the way, you know, I think the, I remember the number of the season win total was 10-and-a-half. No chance they get near that number. How are individuals betting individual Bronco games?
2: Well, the public is definitely fading the Broncos right now, but we took a lot of respected play on the Broncos this week in their London game against Jacksonville. We had uh, the Jaguars minus three and a half. We took some money, plus 3.5 on Denver, and then plus 3. So we're all the way down to Jacksonville, 2.5. So quite a bit to go across that number of 3.
0: Kind of a big line movement I wanted to ask you about. I'm buying in on Minnesota. You know, Green Bay could be fading, and Minnesota can run away with that division. Arizona at Minnesota and the line move there. What can you tell us about that?
2: Well, I think people are starting to put a little bit more stock in the Cardinals with what they saw Mm. against New Orleans. Now, last week, New Orleans was really banged up. But the Cardinals are starting to get some players back, too. So uh, it's tough to lay points with Minnesota. It's almost like the Chargers at home. When they're laying a big number, you see a lot of Sharp money go against them. Same thing with Minnesota. When they're laying a number at home, you tend to see the Sharps play against that. So uh, that number's come down all the way from 5.5 to
0: 3.5. Anybody biting? I know the Jets' injuries are really significant. I mean, they lose two good players. But after watching the Patriots Just so bad against Chicago there. I was surprised to see New England uh, minus two at the Jets early on
2: here. Yeah, well, it's been a sharp play on the Patriots uh, so far, and it got as high as two and a half. And we reopened that game this morning, Patriots minus two. We didn't want to relax it all the way back to what we opened it. We'd expect that sharp play to, to get involved again. And uh, there's just uh, it's more anti-Jets than pro-Patriots right now.
0: What have you been seeing as we talked to Jeff Sherman on the Giants and, and how the Giants are navigating this schedule here? What happened in Jacksonville on the last play of the game, and now the Giants are catching three at Seattle against Geno Smith. I know a lot of Giant fans are already texting me this week, loving this one. They're going to take the Giants getting points because they're a 6-1 team.
2: Yeah, it's fascinating because the Sharps are fading the Giants, expecting them to go down at some point. Uh, they did so again this week. We opened the Seahawks uh, 2.5 and then bet up to minus 3. But we had plenty of giant support last week against Jacksonville, expecting a similar thing right here.
0: Uh, tickets and money on the 49ers at the Rams there, considering what this rivalry's been. So heavy on San Francisco beating the Rams, especially in the regular season here as you have San Francisco minus 1.5. And a low total on that game, 43.5 here with two teams that could be explosive, Stafford versus Jimmy J.
2: Yeah, the last time these two teams played, it was uh, pretty ugly from a scoring standpoint. So that's brought this total down here. And uh, with the addition of McCaffrey on the San Francisco side, uh, especially the way the 49ers have played the Rams like you mentioned recently, a lot of support for the 49ers.
0: Let's talk about the series price on the World Series. I'm still a wounded Yankee fan as they got swept in four you know, the Astros haven't lost the bizarre sweep of the Mariners, sweeping the Yankees here, and no one I knew had Philadelphia. Did you have any long-range tickets on the Phillies when they came in as the third wild card? What can you put towards Philadelphia in this run and how they're doing it?
2: Yeah, we did have some Philly liability in New Jersey in the local market over there, so we're a loser there. Uh, in Nevada, we do pretty well on them, so there wasn't too much interest here. But, um, you know, this is a respected price with the Astros, only a eighty favorite in the series with – Phillies plus 160, you know, as you mentioned, the Astros haven't lost in the playoffs yet, and, you know, with a surprise team, sometimes you'd see a higher price on that, but a lot of believers in the Phillies, and we're already seeing it in game one on Friday night with Wheeler going against Verlander, a little bit more action on the Phillies plus 150 than there is on the Astros.
0: All right, Jeff, finally, there's a lot of Laker fans all over the globe here, and what do you say about the Lakers 0-3 early on this season when it comes to the season win total? their opportunity to make the playoffs and what's been happening in these games. They look like a mess, and they're going to have to make a trade here coming up. How do you handicap the Lakers going forward?
2: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm one of those fans, so I'm mm. going through a tough time. But you know what? It's not unexpected. It's the same thing that they run back last year. I know they dealt with injuries last year, but it's an aged team. They don't have three-point shooting. I don't think it's in their interest to actually make a Westbrook trade and get rid of those later draft picks, 27 and 29, because they're not a title contender, even if they did make a trade, there's really nothing out there on the market that would change that in the Mm -hmm. Western Conference. So I think they should just let Westbrook come off the books this year, look towards next year.
0: I saw a little load management right out of the gate, especially with the Clippers here. Are we still going to deal with this this year? And as one of the sharper minds out there in sports handicapping there, you go to work in the morning and you look at a game, you handicap an NBA game wondering who's going to play, and it's even early in the season.
2: Yeah, well, the tough thing is is putting up an overnight line because a lot more information comes out the night before. So you see, you see a lot of games that are not priced the day before, and they go up the morning of. And we kind of move to that trend more than anything.
0: Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Always appreciate you. All right, thanks, JT. That's Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Hope you enjoyed that. We have him on every two weeks. and he, He's one of the sharpest guys in town, and he tells you what's happening here about the Lakers and what's going on here with trying to predict these giant games. And what we're seeing with Tampa Bay, this is Tom Brady. Everybody, you get an opportunity to take Tom Brady at home with points, New England or Tampa Bay. It's a tough year. The unders are killing it this year, and the survivor pool. A couple of my buddies who've got eliminated a long time ago in the circus survivor pool, and then some of the other people are in it, getting their head lopped off. They had New England last night over Chicago. Another chunk of survivors done in the survivor pool. If you're gambling on sports and you're making money, you should take and buy a website. You should take out radio and TV time on commercial spots because a lot of people that I know who do this for a living are really hemorrhaging. It is hard to win money. And what's happening now in sports gambling, another radio station flipped. And the problem is they're flipping to sports gambling, but they have no one to sit on the radio and talk about it because they don't know what they're talking about because they're in their mid-20s and they never place more than a $10 bet. So you're hearing a lot of this filler garbage on sports radio gambling shows, and not the national ones like Visa and one of our partners. I'm just talking about local affiliates talking gambling. One guy sounds like he's in a closet. The other one sounds like he's in a basement, and they're telling you who they're picking, but they don't tell you how much money they're betting. It's the biggest scam I've seen in radio in my 26 years, putting on radio gambling with guys and gals in their 20s who've never made any money and they're sitting around like they're stockbrokers and they're real estate investors telling you who's going to win the games? Well, ask them how they're doing this year when some of the smartest gaming investors in the world are getting their ass kicked. If you're going to bet on sports, you better have someone that can help you along the way. If you're doing it for fun, do it for fun. Have fun and lose money and smile about it and get another free, a free beer at the bar. They love when you come in. They give you a free $50 or 100 to fuel your account And They give you a free beer, and they expect you to come back. Why wouldn't you come back? You're having fun, and they want you back because they're making money off of you.